I'd like to welcome you today to the City Temple live stream and to this recording. This is just one part of our Sunday worship gathering. And if you'd like to join us for our whole service via Zoom or even in person, then email us at info at city-temple.com and we'll make sure that you have the information that you need to join in. We are pleased and honored to once again listen to Pastor Rod as he brings the word of God to us this day. Hallelujah. Well, it's great to see everybody in the, uh, in the church. Uh, it, and uh, it's great for everybody that's joining via Zoom. I uh, hope to, you know, next Sunday, because we've got lunch, I mean, uh, hopefully we'll pack out the place. Uh, and so don't, uh, don't hesitate to let us know you're coming because we like to feed everybody, uh, and everybody's welcome for lunch, and everybody's welcome to come to the AGM. If you have your Bible, uh, let's turn to Acts chapter 4 as we continue uh, this sermon series, Reconnecting with Reality. Reconnecting with Reality. Acts chapter 4, we're going to continue the story uh, that we were reading last week. It was about uh, Peter and John. They went and they... They healed the, uh, uh, the man who'd been lame for 40 years and then preached the gospel and then were told not to preach the gospel, but then preached the gospel some more. Uh, and finally were released and we pick up the story from that point there in chapter four, uh, starting with verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. A number of years ago, I was up in, uh, on the Isle of Lewis. You always notice I've got a lot of stories for our, from our times up on Lewis. I was up on the Isle of Lewis, and we were going to the Thursday night prayer meeting at the Barbus Church of Scotland there. It's a, kind of like our home church on the island. And we got there about 20 past 7, and uh, one of the elders, Donald, a good friend of ours for many years, came up to me and said, would you take the prayer meeting tonight? which means not only do you lead the singing, but you also take the message. And I'm like, okay, it's 10 minutes to go. And of course, you know, don't panic. 
Because, you know, the Bible says, Timoth Paul told Timothy, be ready in season and out of season. So I said, okay, I'll let me pray about it. So I bowed my head just briefly, and the Lord immediately spoke, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? So I said, yeah, I'll take the message. Now the problem is, I couldn't remember in the Bible where that verse was from. And, and I was too embarrassed to ask, because if I would have just said, uh, there in, in the Barbara's church, uh, if I would have just said, why do the nations rage? Where's that at? Almost everybody in the church would have said Psalm 2. And I knew that. But of course, I'm the minister, right? So I'm supposed to know all this stuff. So in my, in my pride, you know, I didn't do that. So I spent the, the first few minutes, because there's a time for prayers, uh, and there's a time for singing and things. So I, I spent that time kind of saying, where's that in the verse? Where's that verse in the Bible? How am I going to find it? And, uh, and finally, I found Psalm, chap uh, Psalm 2, and then I saw the connection here with Acts chapter 3, and by the time it came to bring the word, I had a word to bring. Uh, but it was a, a rather exciting few minutes, uh, just hoping that uh, I could do well uh, in all of this. Uh, and uh, it's, it's fun how God involves us in the story of the gospel and his holy history. It's enjoyable to be part of that. Sometimes it's a little uh, nerve-wracking. Sometimes it's a bit like being on a roller coaster. But we've been talking these last few weeks about how we live our lives based on the stories we believe and the stories we tell ourselves. And all around us are people telling us a story, wanting us to believe the story, because if we believe their story, we will do what they want us to do. You see this in advertising. Oh, for many years we saw laundry detergent. And the story that was told by laundry detergent was women, if you want to be well-balanced women, if you want to be good mothers and wives, if you want to be successful, if you want to be uh, popular, then you need to use the right laundry detergent so your clothes are clean. Now we know that that's a silly story, but a lot of people were believing the story. And of course, those stories are not the ones that often make the biggest difference in our lives. The stories that make the biggest differences are the big stories, the overarching stories that we believe, and whether or not they are true. And that's why the gospel of Jesus Christ and the story of the Bible progressing from creation to the new heavens and the new earth is so important because our destiny depends on that story and whether we believe it and whether we participate in it and share in it. But the important thing to understand about that story, the story of the good news in Jesus Christ, is that it's not just something that happens to us passively. Yes, of course, Jesus died on the cross for us. 
Yes, he rose from the dead. And yes, we are saved by grace through faith in what Jesus has done for us. And this is not a work, so we can't boast in it. Even the faith is a gift that God gives us, according to Paul in Ephesians chapter 2. But even though that is true, at the same time, we do not participate in the story passively, but God calls us to be actors, participants, shapers of the story. The story will be different because of what we do and what we choose to do. The outcomes will be different. The shape of the story, the flow of the story will be different because of our participation. And one of the most important ways that we shape the story, that we participate in the story, is through prayer and intercession. A theologian called Walter Wink said this quite a number of years ago now. He said it, and I believe it's true, that history belongs to the intercessors. In other words, the course of history is changed, is shaped by God's people going before the throne of grace and praying with boldness and with passion. And we see that at many points throughout history. You might have heard the story of Reese Howells. He was a, a missionary and president for a long time of the Bible College of Wales. Uh, lived until the 1950s. And Reese Howells was an intercessor called to pray during some of the darkest days of our history here in the UK, World War II. As news of Hitler's advance came over the radio and the newspapers, Reese Howells and the intercessors, the prayers that he gathered around him, they would press in and pray for God's purposes to prevail. Now we all know about the Battle of Britain, that time early in the war that was pivotal to the success of the war. On all accounts, we should have lost. The Nazis at the time had a far superior air power. They had more planes. They had conquered much of Western Europe already. They should have easily bombed us into oblivion or into submission. However, on that day, when the Battle of Britain was occurring, mysteriously, the Nazi advance was turned away, right at the point when all hope seemed lost. Of course, after that, Winston Churchill said so famously, never has so much been owed by so many to so few. Do you love my Churchill? Doesn't quite work with laryngitis, does it? Never has so much been owed by so many to so few. But you know, that not only applied to the men who were flying on that day during the Battle of Britain, that also applied to the people who were praying on that day in the Battle of Britain. Reese Howell said around that time, he said, I want to know that the Holy Spirit is stronger than the devil in the Nazi system. 
This is the battle of the ages, and victory here means victory for millions of people. And many times in Reese Howell's story, you can see how they were praying in advance for different things that occurred during the war. I encourage you to read it. Norman Grubb's biography of Reese Howells called Reese Howells Intercessor is a very good book. There's some others uh, more recently. But what we understand is that prayer shapes history. And this happens not only with regard to global history, this happens also with regard to our history. It happens not only with regard to nations such as Myanmar, Burma, where we still must keep pressing in to pray because our brothers and sisters in Christ there in Myanmar still need us to pray. It not only applies to our brothers and sisters in Christ there in Germany or Belgium or the Netherlands who've lost their homes in the floods. It also applies to our brothers and sisters in Christ around us and what's happening today, tomorrow, in your workplace. What's happening tomorrow in your family? What's happening tomorrow in your children's lives? Prayer makes a difference. Prayer shapes things, and there are some things that will not happen if we do not pray. Now understand, we're still going to get to the end of the story that God determined. We're not going to change that. I kind of think of it a little bit like this. You know, in, in the U.S., uh, we used to go on these long road trips. Uh, I'm still quite a fan of long road trips. It's one of the reasons why I love to go up to Scotland. Uh, you can go on such a long road trip that you drive off the edge of the world there. Uh, it's, a, it's a great thing. But we'd go on these long road trips. And we knew, because Dad was driving, you know, so you know Dad is probably going to get us to our destination. But along the way, you'd see these billboards on the side of the road. Uh, very famously, back a long time ago, was Stuckey's. Now, Stuckey's was this uh, chain of roadside diners that were really famous because they had inexpensive toys and inexpensive sweets. And so any child who knew anything at all would want to go to a Stuckey's because a Stuckey's was a place where you could get really stuck in and get lots of good stuff for the trip. And so you go along and you see the sign for Stuckey's. Now Stuckey's was smart because they put up these billboards, but they pull up the billboards not a mile before the turnoff, but like 30 miles before the turnoff. So as a child, you know, the child would see that. And 30 miles before Stuckey's would come up, the kids would start going, Dad, can we stop? Dad, there's Stuckey's. I, I, I really, I, I'm hungry, Dad. I'm really hungry. We need to stop. I really, uh, you know. And, you know, and dads, they were all like, no, we got to get to our destination. You know, that's, that's the way dads are, right? We got to get to the destination. We're not stopping. You know, we're not stopping at all. We got to get to the destination. And they're going, come on, Dad. Come on, Dad. Come on. Can, can we stop? Please, Dad, come on. Can we stop? And they're like, no, we're going to get to the destination. Oh, please, can we stop? And then finally, 
you know, as a kid, you'd save your trump card for about two miles before. Because you got to hold the trump card to the last moment, right? Dad, I got to use the toilet. And invariably, if you planned it out right, Dad would stop. Now, it didn't change the destination. It didn't change the direction of the journey. But certainly for you as a kid, it changed your enjoyment of what was happening. And the same is true for us in prayer. We may not change the ultimate destination, but we can shape the journey. And it can make a difference not only to how we enjoy the journey, but also how other people participate in our influence and how many other people join us along the way. So we need to become people who shape the story, but how do we do that? Well, we can get a lot of clues from this passage about how we pray in order to shape the journey. How do you pray effectively? Well, let's look at a few things here. The first thing we see in this story about how to pray effectively is we must pray in unity with friends. Pray in unity with friends. Notice what happened. The text says here, they went to their friends, Peter and John. When they get out, you know, they don't say, hey, let's have a pizza. They go and say, let's go to our friends. And so immediately, they went to their friends who were gathered, and then what happened? They lifted their voices together to God. There was a, uh, a very powerful set of adverts about uh, drink driving, actually. Uh, and it was always, you know, friends don't let friends drive under the influence. Uh, and it's true, and it's very powerful. But I think also friends don't let friends pray alone. We need to learn to pray with other people. Because when we're praying together with friends, there is a power. There is something that happens when we pray together with our friends. So we need to be praying in unity with our friends. We need to be praying in the same direction. I mean, the, that strategy was always more effective if you had a little sister like I did, and you're in the car, and you see the stuckies, you know, if I said, you know, if I just said, well, Dad, i got to use the toilet, you know, my dad might have handed me a Coke bottle. But if I and my sister said, oh, we got to use the toilet, I mean, there was something about that, you know, my dad couldn't quite resist. I think the same is kind of true with our Heavenly Father. Yes, He answers our prayers that we pray personally. He hears the cry of your heart. Don't misunderstand me. But there is a power, there is a dynamism, there's something happens when we pray in unity with friends. Now, the second thing we see in this passage is that we need to pray with confidence in God's sovereignty. We need to pray with confidence in God's sovereignty. With confidence, using my Stucky's illustration, that God's driving the car. 
What did they do? Notice how they started their prayer. They didn't start their prayer with, Oh, God, or God who loves me so much, uh, or uh, uh, just Daddy in heaven, although that's all good. What do they do? They start their prayer with this. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Pardon me. They were praying with confidence that God is in charge, that God is in control, that God is sovereign, that God has predetermined the direction of travel and the outcome of the journey, and that God is going to get us there. They had a confidence that God was leading, not that they were leading. They had a confidence that God was in control, not the religious authorities, that God was in control, not the power of the devil, that God was in control. And if we're going to pray in a way that shapes the story, we must pray with confidence in the sovereignty of God. You know, COVID doesn't threaten the sovereignty of God. Lockdowns don't threaten the sovereignty of God. Generals conducting a coup in a nation don't threaten the sovereignty of God. The press doesn't threaten the sovereignty of God. Social media influencers don't influence the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. And when we pray, we know that we are praying with the Lord of creation. We know that we're praying to the Lord of history. We know that we're praying to the one who has said, I will accomplish what I will accomplish and nothing can stop me. And we know that this sovereign Lord is one who's filled with love and grace and mercy and who never changes. So we pray with confidence in God's sovereignty. The third insight here is that we pray the scripture because it is from the Holy Spirit. Notice what's happened. You know, they pray, Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who spoke to our father David by the Holy Spirit. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? And you know, when they quote the, the psalm, they're talking about the whole thing. You know, most of the time, when they quote psalms in the New Testament, they don't quote the whole psalm, but it's like a, a song uh, where people start singing the song and everybody uh, knows the tune and so it gets stuck in your head. The rest, I'm not going to do that to you uh, because I can't really sing very well right now. Otherwise, I'd be merciless. I'd put two or three different songs in your head. You know, but they, they would just know how it goes. And they would remember the rest of it. And they would know that that psalm was a psalm of God's sovereign victory over the nations and that the nations might try, try to thwart God's plans, but they would be in, in, unsuccessful in doing so. And so we, when we're praying, not only do we pray together with friends with confidence in the sovereignty of God, 
but we pray what the Bible says. We pray what the Bible is talking about. Now we can pray like, for example, if we were praying for, for Myanmar, we'd say, God, you know, we know, that, we know that the generals in Myanmar are trying to thwart and steal democracy from the people. But we also know that the nations rage and the people's plot in vain against you, God, against your plans, against your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord God, we pray on behalf of Myanmar that they will not win because you are the Lord and that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. And this is all praying the scriptures. And this is how we pray. And as we pray the scriptures, we know that we're praying the will of God. A lot of times we pray, but we have no idea. Is this God's will or not? Or is it my selfish wishes? We've got to pray the scripture, because when we pray what's in the Bible, we know it's God's will. Now the fourth thing that we learn here is that when we pray, we have to pray with a full awareness of what's really going on. You know, sometimes we pray, and we pray without, you know, consciousness of reality. You know, it's like, God, uh, you know, I, I, want to, I, I want to have the perfect spouse, for example. And that's a good prayer. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that prayer. But actually, if you're not ready to be the perfect spouse to the perfect spouse, you'll mess him or her up. Right? You know, God, I want to have the perfect church. Well, if you're not seeking to be a whole healthy follower of Jesus Christ, if you get to the church, you're going to mess it up. And so we got to understand what's going on in our own lives. We need to understand what is going on in our situation. We need to understand the spiritual realities going on around us. We need to understand sometimes how the odds are stacked up against us. When Reese Howell and the companies of intercessors were praying in World War II, they understood the violence and evil of the Nazi regime. They were not, you know, some pie in the sky praying people. They understood the reality of what was happening. And in, in the Battle of Britain, for example, how the odds were stacked against us. But they prayed nonetheless. Now, just like they prayed, for truly in this city, they said. And then they talked about everything that was going on. So in their prayer, they saw reality. And they prayed in light of that reality. And then finally, the fifth thing here that we learned, we need to pray specifically to God's glory. Pray specifically, but for the glory of God in Jesus Christ, not for our glory. Notice how they went before the Lord and they didn't say, and Lord, Make me really healthy, wealthy, wise, totally successful, and so that I'll have a good smile and a great beard like Pastor Rod. 
which is an unfortunate prayer if you're a woman, I think. They didn't pray anything like that. They were praying for God's glory. They wanted God's outcomes to be achieved. They wanted God's will to be done. So they prayed according to God's plan. Notice how you know, they talked about what God had determined was going to happen. They prayed to see the effectiveness of God's people. That we would speak the word with all boldness in their case. They were praying for healing, for signs, for wonders. And I think we need to pray a lot more for healing signs and wonders because I think there's a lot more that God wants to do. And they did all of this in the name of Jesus. So they were going before the Lord. And they were praying, God, you know, uh, let your will be done. God, please, please, let us be effective in speaking your word and sharing Jesus with people. Oh God, let there be healing signs and wonders. You do these things through us or without us, however you want to do them. You do these things, and let this all be done to the glory and honor of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's how they were praying. That's how they were praying. And noticed, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. Now you might think that this is quite fanciful, but actually there's a true story from the 49 to 53 Hebridean revival, again on the Isle of Lewis, in a community called Arnold. And uh, I've been to this house. They were having a prayer meeting in the house. And one man, the whole group of people were gathered together praying. The house was so full, they were sitting on the steps and everything like that. And one man just cried out to God and asked God to reveal himself and was crying out for God's kingdom to come. And during the prayer, the house where they were sitting was shaken. And I've been to the house. It was shaken. It tells us our prayers have a real power when we pray together with our friends, when we pray in light of God's sovereignty, when we pray the scriptures, when we pray knowing full well the reality around us, but we pray specifically according to God's glory. When that happens, we shape the story because God fills us with his Holy Spirit. And as God fills us with his Holy Spirit, and as we shape the story, God leads us to go forth into action that brings about further change, that brings about further benefit for God's kingdom. I tell you, me standing here today is living proof that this is true. Because as you know, I was on death's door. But you, my friends, were praying together that I would be healed, that I would be restored. And against all odds, I'm standing here today and how many times did we see specific prayers answered during that journey that I had? Simply because 
people were praying. Things that normally would not happen, even in the NHS, happened. This is what God does. He gives us the privilege of shaping the story that we're living in, of participating in this story through prayer and intercession. Let us take it up and engage fully in shaping the story as the privilege that comes from God. Father God, we love you and we honor you. We worship you and we adore you. Thank you for allowing us to shape this story that we're living in. And thank you for being the Lord of creation and the Lord of the story. Thank you that nothing, no power in hell, on earth, or in heaven can thwart the fulfillment of the story that you have us engaged in. We love you and we praise you. I pray, Lord God, that you'd help us to double down in prayer, to pray with power, to learn how to intercede more effectively, just as we saw there in Acts chapter 4, so that we might see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, all to the glory of God in Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.